So according to Matthew, when Jesus came to the Jordan and asked to be baptized, John was absolutely shocked. Finally, the one for whom John had been waiting, the one for whom he had been preaching repentance and baptizing, the one on whom he had bet his life had come and was there standing right in front of him. And he was asking for the same treatment as everyone else? How could this be? John didn't even feel worthy to carry one of Jesus' sandals, much less baptize him. No wonder he said to Jesus, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? I can hear the gentleness in Jesus' voice as he says to John, let it be so for now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. In pursuing baptism, Jesus honors John's ministry and invites him to share in an act of mutual submission and joint obedience to God's will. And hearing this, John consents. We don't know why Jesus wanted to undergo this ritual. That's kind of the $64,000 question that theologians have wrestled with over the centuries. And when you come right down to it, it probably doesn't really matter. Um, Reverend Dr. Joy Moore says, baptism signals a journey that began, begins at a fork in the road where one path is chosen and another is rejected. And it seems to me that Jesus had come to that fork and that he needed a tangible way in which to mark his decision. So he waded into the muddy waters of the Jordan River, just like all the others who had come to make a new beginning, humbly submitting himself to John authority in an act of consecration that signals his acceptance of God's call on his life. And when Jesus has been baptized, just as he came up out of the water, all heaven broke loose. <laughs> the Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove. And a divine voice declared, apparently to all who were there, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. It was an amazing affirmation of Jesus' identity and his commitment, a word of grace and blessing that echoes the first verse of Isaiah 42. Here is my servant upon whom I uphold, whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. When we are baptized, that same word of grace and blessing comes to us. As God claimed and named Jesus as God's beloved son, so in baptism we are claimed and named as God's beloved children, God's sons and daughters. And that is true whether we come to baptism as a babe in arms or as an adult. To be baptized is to be accepted, affirmed, and blessed. I want you to think about that for a moment. In contrast to all the hurtful names that you have ever been called in your life, God says, you are my son. You are my daughter. And against all the voices in your head that tell you you are unworthy, God tells you, you are beloved. And in spite of all your mistakes and misdoings, God declares, I am well pleased with you. I delight 
in you. We need to hear that message over and over again, don't we? It's so easy to forget it. And that's one reason that we remember and renew our baptism each year on this second Sunday of January. But that is not the only reason that we do this. Reverend Roger Nishoika tells the story of a ninth grader named Kyle who went through confirmation in his church. Though up to that point his family had been sporadic in their attendance, Kyle participated fully in the class. He hardly ever missed one. And since he had not been baptized, Jesus was not only confirmed but also baptized in a wonderful celebration in the church. But then Kyle didn't, didn't show up again. And Reverend Nishoika knew that something was wrong. And so he called out, reached out to Kyle's parents. And when he did, they were a little confused. Nishoika writes, I distinctly remember his mother saying, Oh, well, I guess I thought Kyle was all done. I mean, he was baptized and confirmed and everything. Isn't he done? We laugh, but that's how a lot of us see baptism. That when we go through the ritual, we're done. But the Gospels tell us otherwise. Jesus' baptism and God's affirmation didn't take place in the middle of his preaching and healing ministry. On the contrary, his baptism marked the beginning of his mission, a mission that would again echo the words of Isaiah. I have called you in righteousness. I have taken you by hand and kept you. I have given you as a covenant to the people, a light to the nations, to open the eyes of the blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. As we read those words, it is important to note that the identity of the Lord's servant in Isaiah 42 is fluid. Though at the beginning of the passage, it sounds as though the servant is an individual. Scholars believe that this passage may also describe God's call to the entire people of Israel. God calls them to righteousness and justice, terms that are in fact the same word in Hebrew, not just for their own sake, not just so that they will be made right with God, but for the sake of all the nations. And that call to mission was renewed after every crisis in Israel's history. Over and over again, God called them. And so it is with us. In our baptism, we are called to join Christ in that same mission. And each time we remember our baptism, that call sounds anew. As baptized Christians, we too are to bring light to those in darkness, to offer hope to those who are imprisoned, and to promote justice and peace among all people and nations. That might sound a little intimidating. And if so, it helps to remember how Jesus carried out his mission. He didn't sound a battle cry and chase out the Romans with violence. He didn't inflame the crowds with wild speeches. He didn't come with fire and brimstone. Instead, he came to teach and heal and serve, and he carried out that ministry one person, one village at a time. Here again, Isaiah's description of God's servant fits Jesus very well. 
He will not cry or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break and a dimly burning wick he will not quench. In a commentary on this passage, Reverend Janet Hunt writes, oh, there are a lot more promises which ring out in the prophet's voice in that passage. Hopeful words about justice being established and breath and spirit sustained and light and sight and freedom. And yet, it seems to me, it all starts here in this promise. That which is most fragile will not be destroyed, abandoned, snuffed out. This is in part who Jesus was and is as he came to us as one of us. We get a first glimpse of this even now as we see him submitting to John's baptism in the River Jordan. Indeed, as Jesus came to us as a human being, he taught us what it means to be fully human. And this being so, what we hear today is that being fully human is called, is to be and do as Jesus did, to also be those who don't break those who are bruised, to not, no, not ever, be one who extinguishes the flickering flame of another. She tells of a student who had written to thank her for what she had unknowingly done and taught him during their time together years before. And she says, it was as though without even knowing he was doing it, he cupped his hands around my dimly burning wick, protecting it enough so that it might shine again. When someone is baptized in, our, baptized in our church, we promise to pray for and support that person in their faith journey. And that, too, is why we need to renew our baptism each year. We need to remember that promise so that we will support one another when we are bent and bruised, cupping our hands and hearts around one another's flames so that they might stay lit. Reverend Hunt continues, perhaps I cannot much impact a world where injustice and cruelty seem to rule, but I can bolster up the bruised reeds around me. I can protect, protect the struggling flame of the one standing next to me. And maybe in so doing, we can together find a way to see how God is calling us to be even more fully human together. Together for the sake of one another, for the sake of the world. And so today I invite you to remember and renew your baptism for your sake, for the sake of one another, and for the sake of the world. In a few minutes, I will invite you to come to the baptismal font via the center aisle. Whenever you feel ready, we're not going to have the ushers guide you, and it, it says in the bulletin, one of three stations, but there's only the font. <laughs> to touch the water as you remember that you have been baptized into Christ, and then you'll return to your seat by the side aisle. This year, ever, we've done this several years in a row now, but I want to try something a little different. I was thinking a lot about John and his relationship with Jesus and how he helped Jesus in that moment. And so when the first person comes forward, I will meet them on the font, and as they're touching the water, I'll say, remember your baptism and be thankful. And then if that person is willing, I would like them to turn, and when the next person comes up, to say the same words to them, remember your baptism and be thankful. 
And then that person turn and say to the next person, remember your baptism and be thankful, and so on and so on. So when it is your turn to come forward, you are invited to touch the water, and then when you are done, turn to the next person as they come to the font and say, remember your baptism and be thankful. In this way, if you will, each of us will be serving one another as Jesus served John served Jesus. Now, you don't have to rush to do this. You don't have to worry. Take your time. If you forget or are uncomfortable doing that, I'll be there to say the words, okay? If you're not comfortable walking up to the font, um, Brenda is going to bring a small bowl of water to you so that you can remember your baptism as well. And if you have not been baptized, be at peace, for you are God's beloved child too. You can stay in your seat or you can come forward and receive a blessing from me. And if you would like to know more about baptism, let me know. I'd be happy to talk with you about it. So I invite you now to begin by turning in your bulletin to the covenant, to the congregational reaffirmation of our congregational, of the baptismal covenant. And we're going to do that first and then we will we will come and remember our baptism.